0: Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast.
1: This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit
2: back, relax, because it's time for My My Ship Ship Story.
1: Story. (laughs) that was terrible.
2: Welcome, everybody. It's another episode of My Ship Story Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. Got with me. Scott and Eric, let's check in with Eric. What's going on, Eric? Hey,
1: so you know how on the 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 last podcast, I was mentioning how people come through and I usually see somebody like, you know, three or four times a year, some old shipmates. So just recently, Julie Jager uh, Luxton was in town. Wow, Uh, what a coincidence. Exactly. So that's the only podcast Cassie's listened to. And so (laughs) she happened to be in town. And she like, you know, so she reached out to me. I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll drive into town and we'll go have dinner." And I didn't know Julie that well. Like I knew her, but I didn't know her super well. When we worked on board, we sat and chatted for two and a half hours, just like talking, 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 and it was just such a good time. Did you know that she is half Cuban? I did mm-hmm. not know that. No. Yes, she is. It was I. I hadn't. I didn't know. So. Super interesting, great time chatting, and if I didn't have to drive forty minutes home, I I probably would have stayed at least another hour. But it was great catching up with it; it was a lot, a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and we just uh, we just spent uh, a little bit of time uh, watching a video while we were waiting on Cassie and so Julie Yeager got to say Julie Yeager back in the back in the day, you know, in the if I were yeah, not upon the seas the, with the lighthouse keeper costume <laughs> on, which was not
0: unpleasant (laughs) (laughs) you know it's still funny to to watch that like you know we we were talking about the uh if i were not upon the sea skits and stuff from other cruise lines and i didn't know that other cruise lines didn't but you know carnival and celebrity and and even princess celebrity
3: celebrity does that i didn't know celebrity did something like that
0: (laughs) I I thought I I saw a celebrity,
1: but I mean, I I found out today I worked not on board, but I worked for Princess for 20 years. And I found out today that Princess also has done it on board. And I had no idea. It's
0: so funny. It's still funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: Cassie, you don't you don't go watch the you don't go watch the uh, if 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 I were not upon the sea sketch at the farewell show.
3: No, I mean, we I don't (laughs) even think we did like a welcome or a farewell show. And to be honest, I'm usually sleeping or working. So it's. Doesn't kind of tie in with my hours, but I'm just finding it really kind of random uh that I happen to pick Julie's one to listen to, and uh, then uh, you know <laughs> you guys are both one of you seen Julie recently, the other two have watched the video today. And I'm like, this is kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bizarre.
2: Not but. just today, just before you came on. <laughs> yeah, yeah in, in
0: between the last podcast, it was a perfect you know the whole skit, and you're like, okay, Cassie's ready. Oh, awesome! We just finished. <laughs> Fifteen minutes, perfect. Fifteen minutes. All right, um, Scott.
2: You got anything to add? Anything else to add? Nope, that's, that's it. Let's get to our guest. Very, very special guest on today because this is our first person, I believe, from the deck department, right?
1: Well, no, first I, state... no, John Scullion, yeah. John so, Scullion, so first navigational officer though. Navigational so, yes, somebody officer, somebody from the bridge. We we have. Am I the first the
3: female navigational officer too?
1: Yes, that would be yes. yes, yes. Yeah. First first
3: officer.
2: Period. Yeah
3: no pressure <laughs> yeah
1: no pressure uh,
2: probably the first female deck officer navigational yeah. officer we have met yeah oh
3: wow
0: <laughs> well you not me oh that okay says a
3: lot about the industry right so yeah, and you're uh, with, no, cele- so-
0: with celebrity is that right
3: yeah, yeah yeah
0: oh my god do you know captain kate
3: yes i've worked with captain kate we're uh, instagram friends and
0: nice yeah. excellent <laughs> and julie Cherrington?
3: oh yeah redhead julie. Oh,
1: that's right. yeah, julie oh,
0: Julie's
2: an old friend of ours like yeah. minge. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. minge crazy 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 she's
3: so amazing she's
2: a okay let me get this in there welcome to the podcast cassie mead thank you for being on
3: thanks for having me you're
2: coming to us from new zealand right
3: that's correct whereabouts uh christchurch so the south island Yeah, Um, we're also called Aotearoa in our native language. So
2: tell us a little (laughs) bit about how you got started working on ships. How did it start for you?
3: Hi, my name's Cassie Mead, and this is my ship story. Mine's kind of a long story, and it starts a while ago. Like, uh, actually, it starts 17 years ago. Um, this is a
2: one hour podcast, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> Talk fast because I I'll have do to do my edit.
3: best. I'll do my best. I was 17 years old, and I did this youth development program that we have in New Zealand. So it's called The Spirit of New Zealand. Um, with the Spirit of Adventure Trust. And it's a square rig, tall mast ship. And they take on 40 trainees between the age of 15 and 19 uh, with a volunteer crew. And they spend this 10 days teaching them uh, how to sail a ship but also basically life skills and good habits and how not to be a dick to your parents. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a great program.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I did that and it was like boot camp the time I did it. I mean, things have got very PC now and it's um, a lot softer, but it was like boot camp when I was there and I kind of needed it at the age of 17. I did that for 10 days, had my 17th birthday on board, which was pretty cool. So I fully went through my final year of high school, like I'm going to get this cadetship when I leave you know this is what I'm going to do I'm going to be the captain of this ship one day and I just kept volunteering with them and the senior master that I had on my trip at the time he was kind of coaching me and encouraging me and I'd applied for the cadetship and he I don't think he kind of took me serious to begin with and he said to me look If you really want to do this, you know, here's the application pack. You have to make us believe you want it. And so I think I wrote like a 25 page entry.
0: Um, How are they like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, here you go.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I included photos and all sorts, you know, I was like, I talk about this nonstop to this guy, like I want to be on this program. And he wants proof. I got into the top five finalists and had an interview. And when I got in the top five the second year round, he told me that I was getting too old and that this would like be my last chance. So yeah, because back then they were only taking cadets kind of straight out of school. So kind of between the age of uh, 18 and 21. And so I'd already done two years at university. I decided not to do it. Like I pulled my name out of the running and I decided to go back to university and finish my degree because I didn't want to be known as a dropout. So (laughs) that's where it all started. And at the time I was actually doing a degree in architecture. Yeah, something entirely different. And then from there I ended up, uh, he actually coached me still He was like another father to me. He kind of convinced me and said, look, if you really want to get into this industry and you're really set on being a captain, he's like, don't just aim to be a captain on a tall ship or on this ship. Go into yachting and things. And he's like, the super yachts are getting bigger. Cruise ships and things are getting bigger. And he's like, you need a bigger license. One day, even tall ships are going to ask you to have a bigger license. So he's like, go to the Maritime College study a merchant ticket and then you will have the big license and it's unlimited and you can go anywhere and do anything
1: oh my god that's great nice. and you went that's to awesome. maritime school in New Zealand correct yeah that's
3: correct yeah
1: because yeah. I remember we recruited from I I was the director of recruitment for princess cruises for a number of years and we were looking at recruiting from the maritime schools in uh in New Zealand
3: yeah what, we struggled a little bit down here it he was, probably uh, didn't pick you because
0: places. You had a, you know, more than
1: 25
2: pages. <laughs> well, look, briefly, what, what was Maritime School like? I mean, was it was it hands-on or was it just academic stuff?
3: Our programs arranged a little bit odd compared to some of the other schools around the world. But you go for six months in your first year and you're doing all the STCW basics. You're learning a little bit of Riggs, um, and then you're doing a lot of maths and physics. So it's maths and physics heavy. Um, and then you have to try and find yourself six months sea time. And that's very difficult. The school had very limited agreements with companies. They had like 10 places at Holland America.
1: What was the name of the school? I'm just curious. New
3: Zealand Maritime School.
1: Okay. I wonder if that was the same one. It I probably is. It, yeah, that.
3: There many. was on, There's only one. So. Yeah, so that was
1: probably the same one.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um. So for second year, you did from February till the end of, um October basically at college and we were running through all the uh subjects there that you then have to go back to see for another 6 months at the end of third year you have to turn up with this folder full of assignments ready to do your orals prep and your um bridge simulator course you know and so, sit your oral exam
2: so th- so they send you away and say get a job but here's homework
3: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I we mean, all
1: that, have to do it, unfortunately. And the deck cadet, I mean, on board, and I'm, i you can let me know if it's the same about celebrity. The deck cadet is like an extra person on board. They don't have do they don't have like they're working all the time, but they're really there to learn. Um, so they're not like okay, they're not. So they're not responsible on the bridge. Let's say they're not a bridge officer who has responsibilities for the bridge, but they're on the bridge a lot so that they're learning and they're learning all the different tasks and things that the navigation officer has to learn.
3: That's correct. Um, And it depends on the company because I could negate that completely with some of my experience, but depends on the company. Like celebrity calls them apprentices. Mm -hmm. So Scott, Ah. you're right. When you say that they're like an intern, um, celebrity calls them an apprentice officer. We are supposed to spend a lot of time on the bridge. We actually go away with a training record book, and we have to go through and fill out as much of that training record book as possible, get right. all these signatures from the officers. Um, so the good yeah. companies, yes, will realize that they are training a bridge officer for right. their future, wow. hopefully to come back to their right. company. That's
2: Right. That's right. Yeah, that's, a, that's the yeah. point.
3: I was with one company that basically refused me bridge time and put me on the deck for six months straight. I actually only needed four months sea time left in my training. I was there for six. And if you left early, you paid your own flights home. So oh, well, I was want there. To know who it was. <laughs> yeah, and it was... You uh, can bleep I it out. <laughs> <laughs> I got stuck in the deck department working 7 a.m. to 7 p.m or 1am to 1pm, depending, you know, sometimes it was a little bit brutal. Um, yeah. And I had to fight for my time. Um, I just had one chief officer who, to this day, I'm a little bit bitter. I I literally only have like two people in my life that I have disdain for. What's their full I'm name, generally, <laughs> <number>. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: like,
2: very, a, a, a kidding, very forgiving
3: kidding. person. But this chief officer, um, there were things he said to me which were not okay. And, and there were obviously ideas he had in his head about me. They were one of the first taking women um, bridge officers in the industry. So uh that was that was cool okay no problem but this one particular chief officer didn't think I belonged on the bridge even though I was at the very end of my sea time requirement and I'd done a whole lot of time on my previous ships and I'd had like four previous ships and what, what year was this around uh this was
0: 2014
3: 14 no, was it, that was long it
0: long did this have anything no, to do with, with you being a female or i was um, gonna say no
3: no it was their policy i think what i was trying to explain to them was that I was a second year cadet I was a senior cadet not a right. first year and I but, needed to be doing my bridge time all my assignments were bridge time based so i'd done all of that and i was trying to explain that i needed bridge time and he said i don't care you're going to spend 12 hours a day on the deck with the bo'sun and you're going to do what he tells you and i didn't argue i said okay no problem i love getting my hands dirty i'm from new zealand i grew up on a farm like yeah. this is not a problem <laughs> for me but I have a training record book, I have assignments, I have to complete these. And if I don't, I can't sit my oral exams at the end of the year. You know, I ended up like kind of nagging him about it. And he said to me, if you want bridge time, you come up here in your own time. So I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and I would go to the bridge from 5 till 6.30. And I would run down get changed because that had to be my bridge uniform, run down, get changed into my boiler suit, go and have some breakfast, be in the bosun's locker at 7 a.m., start work till 7 p.m., have some dinner, and then I was doing my assignments till 10 o'clock at so night. So
2: much for ILO. So they were making you work like a deckhand.
3: Yeah, I was. Wow. It, some of it was easy. Some of it was... We also had a bosun who didn't believe in females using power tools and things. So
0: Wait, <laughs> wait, <he, laughs> <laughs> what? what? Kind of what? Back up, well, back were, up. Hold they were
3: on they were mostly filipinos right and and we were like removing varnish and things and he didn't even feel right about me using a heat gun um (laughs) or anything like that and i said to him listen i know about teak i come from a sailing ship background i'm not gonna burn the teak i also grew up on a farm i've used bigger tools than this and he's like yeah but you know you're a female and it's just not right so i'm there with this little paint scraper like
1: <laughs> so I, I was gonna ask that because historically now things are changing. And obviously I think certain companies are more progressive than others, but you know, going back even just a few years, there there weren't many women in the marine department altogether. Yeah, and that's so that how was going into that were there other females on board at all or were you one of the only ones in the in the entire marine department or i was the
3: only one in the entire marine department so what
1: yeah so in all deck and engine so what type of i'm sure that you must have had quite a few pushback from these guys oh you know sea dogs old guys Who this is not, this is their territory and do not want women coming in. So, do you have any, obviously, besides the one you just said, any other like stories, especially up on the bridge?
3: Oh, I've got so many, unfortunately, you know, and I don't want it to sound negative people females in this industry tend to be kind of you know you've either had a really good ride or Uh, you're told to not really disclose the bad stuff um to not give a bad image as to the experience but this is my god honest truth Right, right
1: we all i mean we've all had on board good and bad experiences but i think being like the first female in a whole department and that you face different challenges that we face that we would we didn't really have any of that so yeah. it's interesting to see that perspective of when going on board, you know, and being the first one.
3: Yeah. So even in New Zealand, I had pushback. back. Um, like I said, I did like four or five different vessels throughout my cadetship um, 2 roll on, roll off passenger carriers that go between the North and South Island of New Zealand. Um, I spent a month doing a dry dock maintenance period on a cement ship. Um and I'd been on a smaller that sounds exciting. That
1: doesn't sound like fun. We've been through dry not, dock. What kind of ship you're working on? A no. cement ship. I <laughs> love, I love it. It
3: was a great. I love cement ships and I love dry dock. Um, I'm <laughs> a sucker for hard work. And a glutton
1: for punishment. <laughs> yeah,
3: basically. Um, no, it was... Uh, so right from the beginning... Golden Bay was the cement ship I worked for, and they were really supportive of females in the industry because one of their chief officers was a female, and she was one of the first three in New Zealand, like way back, like 30 years prior. So she and I, to this day, are still friends. She's been one of my biggest mentors, and anytime I found something really hard, I just kept thinking of this story she told me about her time and was like, if she could do it, I could do it. Um, then when I told her my stories, she turned around and said, oh, no, I had it a whole lot easier than you. Um, but they were literally told, like, you're the first three. If you don't make it, we're not taking females again. Right. So right. you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So going forward, that ship was great for me. They were all for supporting females. So they took a lot of female cadets when they could. Um, after that, even on the Roro ferries, there were just certain older guys who didn't like the idea of females at sea. And again, I was the only one. Aside from the hospitality crew, I was the only right. female. That was a little bit challenging, but I'm tough. You know, I'm thick skinned. I grew up on a farm. It's no problem for me.
0: After all of this, let me let me forward fast just a little bit. So how was it when you got your, I don't know, your grade, your paper, your sign-off, and license. your your license and your first. Tell me about your experience when you very first got your license on the first ship that you got on. Because That had to be like super exciting.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I did it Um, the day of my exam. You don't know who your examiner is going to be. Right. And I was terrified because the guy that was running our program was not pro women either. Um, He made things a little bit difficult for us and I was terrified he was going to be my examiner um and the the guy from the tall ship I told you about earlier the senior captain had started working at the school at that stage and I went into his office in that morning and he was like why why do you look the way you look you know why do you look so nervous and I said if that is you know such and such in that exam room I'm going to turn around and walk straight out again and he said to me that's insane you know he didn't think you could make it you've already made it through three years of school you're at your exam day you've already proved him wrong you know like get in there and do it and and prove him wrong again um thankfully it wasn't him I had the best examiner <laughs> I could have asked for um so yeah that was a great feeling but then I still struggled to get c time. um and I have to tell you from my experience over the last 10 years it is been insane seeing the changes because right now in the last like three years there's been a whole lot of progression for women but prior to that if you were one of us that was one of the only women in the department and one of the few that were being taken on your experience is a lot different it was challenging and my first job came about I mean I couldn't even pay for my license that's that's the other thing is Maritime New Zealand is not a government-funded branch so it's 1500 new zealand dollars which i think is around about 900 us to pay for my license so i set my exam in um early december got it and i had to work in retail to save up the money like hundred dollars a week until i could afford wow. to send my papers in to get my license oh. which was march the next year uh, and then my first job was a two-week relief job on the cement ship in May of 2015 <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then after that I was applying everywhere super yachts everything and I got a super yacht gig um, that gave me like two days notice to get on a plane to just pack up my life and leave work and you know find somewhere to store all my gear and then I was off to Barcelona on the super yachts so.
0: how, how oh, wow. big was this yacht
3: it was, I think, 64 meters, and I was not even going oh, as an, a wow. second officer. I was going as lead deckhand. Again, never done this stuff before. Lead deckhand was six weeks to then step up to bosun uh like boson slash second got Man. your
0: license now you got to start on the bottom of the ladder and work your way back up again a,
3: yeah a, this
2: this sounds like a real below the deck situation have you <laughs> yeah. watched that show
3: i don't no. watch that show because <laughs> one i've been in the industry i know how it is and two i know that they do the interview process and select those people for personality clashes for romantic situations all yeah, of that yeah yeah um yeah. I would never apply to do it because that job is hard enough without a camera in your face all day right. long. Yeah, my job, friends are
0: like, Oh wow. You used you, to you work on a ship. I love that. Uh, you know, we tell them we do a podcast and they're like, Oh yeah, I watch that show below deck. And I'm like, that's a TV show and it's scripted and a private yeah. yacht. Like, <laughs> yeah. like nothing. It's nothing like,
3: I won't watch it. People ask me about it and I'm like, I've been in the yacht industry. It is a little bit like that, but it's also not like that. And I won't watch that show. Cause it's so God awful. And one of the greatest things happened to me at that time, uh, because under the MLC you have to be repatriated, right? Yeah. They'd flown me out there, so they were going to repatriate me back to New Zealand. They'd given us all like a five-day holiday after the season. I went to Paris and saw my friends get married, and saw Paris for the first time, and went to you know spent two days in Barcelona looking around nice. and. I'd only ever been to Australia for like a family <laughs> holiday when I was 15. So, you know, here yeah. I had been sailing around Greece for two months and and whatever, through the Messina Strait. It's not then, a bad
1: place to be. <laughs> right? Not a bad yeah, place so, to
3: be. so, so boring. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, if I was you, I would take that plane ticket that we have to buy you and extend it for a year, change the date, put a year on it, tell the um, the booking agent, you know, that you'll pay any difference if you have to on your credit card so that the boat doesn't find out about it. You know, and he's like, go to Antibes and go get another job and I did and that's what I did I had no idea I said to him can you tell me somewhere to stay you know um at this stage I think I was oh my god how old was I 26 27 so like oh, 27, wow. I, think. I was a little bit older you know so so I just took any day work that came my way and I had to be able to pay my rent at that accommodation and food thankfully in the south of France was not very expensive so on a daily it's basis I think we were living off rice and pasta and you know yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> it's very easy to live cheap in France but um, yeah what a, ter-
2: what a terrible place to scrounge <laughs> around for food the south <laughs> right. of France oh my god
3: I know and you know the Italian Riviera and things I just I literally took the train and went and visited every little yacht port there was, handed my CV out to hundreds of boats. And um, because of my unlimited license, I had a leg up on everybody. And yeah, okay, I was a female and there still weren't many female bridge officers. I still had a leg up on a lot of other people because they either had, you know, 3,000 ton limit or 500 kind of, it was like yachting, you know, they had yachties tickets. I had big ship tickets. Um, even though I'd not actually had a job on a big ship so so to speak as yet but um
0: when did that start
3: when did what start sorry Uh,
0: to go uh, to like a a bigger ship or like Oh,
3: that that was, uh, yeah, that was a little while, um, later. I think I was in and out of the yachting industry for like three years and I came home and had a couple of short gigs on some commercial ships and things. I mean, there was one situation where I almost died on a yacht and I had to fly home. So I flew home for two months. And as soon as I was well enough, I flew myself back to the UK and started all over again. So we got to
1: that story of what happened. You almost died.
3: (laughs) Um, So I'm an asthmatic. For me, I take on a challenge. I prove people wrong, right? If anybody tells me you can't do that, I do it. Um, I did architecture when there was not many girls doing it. You know, I came to this industry, no matter how many times people told me you're not going to succeed. I was like, you'll see. (laughs) So, um, So yeah, I have asthma and I was This was my second yacht. So I was lucky enough that one of my day work jobs turned into a permanent job. I'd been living ashore in the accommodation, just going back and forth, you know, daily during the day work. So that was okay. But from about the second day of moving on board, I developed this cough. Um, And within like a week of being there, we had to move the yacht out of France because they kind of have like yacht visas and they were about to like expire so we either had to go to like tunisia and back or just completely get out of there and we it had just been sold mm. so the new owner decided no take the yacht to the maldives I want to come to the Maldives for Christmas and New Year's. So we leave on Tebe and we, you know, set sail for uh, the Maldives through the Suez Canal and things. My cough just progressively got worse to the point where I almost collapsed on watch one night and freaked out my, my lookout. We got to the Maldives and it just wasn't getting any better. Went to see a doctor. They were like, oh, you're okay. Um take it easy you know light duties and things I think it was boxing day I was helping take the garbage out you know and I'm just lifting these heavy bags of garbage and next thing I start having this coughing fit I go to my cabin and I'm in my room and I'm coughing and I was just full of like phlegm and it got stuck in my airway and I couldn't breathe so I'm trying to keep myself calm because there's no like, if you panic, it's just worse, right? So I'm running down the hallway bashing on the cabinets to get somebody's attention because I can't talk and I can't breathe. They just shouted out for the chief mate and the captain. And then the next thing I know, I've got somebody holding a bucket in front of me and somebody slamming on my back, you know, trying to clear my airways. And I kind of just threw up like it just... <laughs> Yeah. So I just threw up into this bucket and was on oxygen and things and went back to the hospital.
2: Let's go ahead and get to um, the part where you get a job on a cruise ship.
3: So it was, it was a little while, actually. I did some relief work after the yachts on a cement ship. 2019, I applied for jobs at I think four different companies. And then Celebrity Cruises got back to me and said I had an interview. And I didn't even remember applying to Celebrity. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Ended up with round two interview. And that went really well. And so they offered me a job. In the meantime, I had a ski accident and broke my collarbone, and so... (laughs)
1: so, Okay, this, your story... To try to get to a cruise ship has <laughs> been the most interesting but <laughs> grueling story that we've heard. We have, nobody's been through all this We've
2: not even there. seen a cruise ship yet, and you've no. already <laughs> almost died twice. twice. I yeah. told you the
3: story was really long, right? So, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I got the job anyway, with Celebrity Cruises, um, to start, 1st of December, 2019. And then I start getting these emails saying I have to submit like a two paragraph thing about myself and submit a photo and things. And I kept- No problem. I got
0: 25 pages ready to- (laughs) (laughs)
3: I kept ignoring these emails thinking oh well I'm just a new hire like what do they need this for I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks you know and then the the port captain calls me and he's like hey Cassie have you been getting these emails I said yeah I got them he's like well can you respond because we need the information pretty soon you know we've got to put out some media stuff and I said oh sorry I just presumed it was like for an onboard bio thing that you were going to (laughs) put around somewhere you know and he's like oh no we're doing this thing so you're going to be part of the first all ever women's bridge team in March next year oh that's
0: with Captain Kate isn't it yeah 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 yeah.
3: (laughs) and I was like whoa hang on a second when you hired me you did not tell me you know that this was the gig and so they were doing they were already hiring a lot of females anyway because they wanted to be the best in I guess the industry to have the most females and be ahead of the game and so I got hired I think purposely for this you know they needed to get the numbers to um it was was, I mean it was a great honor as well but I was like oh me like I've got bugger all experience (laughs) and you know you're hiring me for this huge thing okay all right you know so I type something out and send a photo in and I only have a photo of me from my yachting days so
0: (laughs) So Um, would you, would you come on the ship as like, like a bridge officer? officer.
3: Yeah. Bridge officer. I was third officer. So I think we had a full complement of like 12 people um, because we had two apprentices as well. So there was two apprentices, two thirds, two seconds, a first three chiefs, a staff captain and a captain. So. So now when you came on, was it
1: like. You were getting there right as COVID COVID. was about to break.
3: Oh yeah. So that was a whole thing, right? Like I turn up there first of December and about two weeks in this COVID thing breaks in the news and we're just sitting there in the mess room watching, you know, Kobe Bryant dies, COVID starts. Okay. This is a really interesting month, you know, COVID, everybody's making a big deal out of this, whatever, you know, it's the ordinary flu's killed more people and it just progressively got worse. uh, Shut down. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to the point where my last day of my contract was the 15th of March. You guys will know, changeover day is like from a Friday to a Sunday typically. So anybody within that window of the Friday to the Sunday had to finish their cruises. Actually, I had my mum and my best friend's mum on board for my final week. And because it was the whole women's week thing from the 8th to the 15th, so I flew them over to come join me. Let's just say there was maybe like five people on the plane going home. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it was this whole thing of there's COVID shutdown and my contract had actually been extended without any warning for another week. And I went to the, you know, down to the uh, crew admins office to get my flights and find out what was going on. And they're like, oh, you've been extended a week. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't because my license expires in the next week and I have to get home and renew that. So legally, I can't be here um, unless you demote me to cadet, which they considered an option. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah, and I said to them, I'm not I'm I'm staying here. I mean, I'm going home, my mum's here, I'm flying home with my mum. And luckily I got out because two days after I got home, they shut uh was it? Countries two days? are yeah. shutting down. It was, it was seven, sorry, it was seven days. So I had to go home and self isolate for seven days anyway, or fourteen days. But seven days after I landed our country went into full lockdown.
1: How was the atmosphere on board that deck department team when it was all female?
3: You know what? It was amazing. While I was sitting at the airport the day before joining, there were guys from Royal Caribbean and things, you know, we're all the same, like mothership family and whatever. But they were sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going on the edge. And they're like, oh, you're doing that women's cruise thing. They're like, oh my God, you guys are all going to like sync up and PMS at the same time.
1: <laughs> typical <laughs> typical, awful guy stuff. Yeah. You know?
3: And I was just like, yeah, cool. And then people were like, oh God, Oh, the ship's gonna crash, like you guys are gonna <laughs> run aground. And I'm like, okay, come on, guys. The whole woman driver thing, really? <laughs> I kind of didn't want to be dragged into it for this big showy event, you know? Like, I've never been about that. I don't actually consider myself a woman at sea, I'm a human at sea, and I've always been very vocal about that. I'm a competent human being just doing a job that I love. And uh, so for a couple of us, it was like, I mean, our chief security, she was um, uh, she's from Israel and she is like oh. ex-military and things, you know. So oh. she was also like me. We, we're not showy people. We didn't want to be made a scene out of. But it was a big moment in history or story as they called it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but and it, And it was actually ended up being a privilege to be a part of. Um, the fact that everybody thought that we were going to run aground or something and it didn't happen oh, and everything went off without a hitch a- aside from COVID was amazing and I mean, talk uh, about
1: low expectations I mean come on like seriously right?
3: and Captain Kate is one of the the greatest ship handlers I've seen just to say like <laughs> I'm not just blowing smoke you know I'm not gaslighting whatever she is phenomenal um, and she's a great teacher as well. So I was really lucky. I, I actually got the opportunity to maneuver that ship while I was on board.
0: So tell me about the um, the hand in the pocket.
3: Oh, you've seen that?
0: <laughs> well, so I I follow uh, Captain Kate on TikTok. And I've watched every single video that she's done. I think she's fantastic. So I want to ask you about Bug. and But <laughs> I'm but I I'm interested in the... Because um, she told... Um, and, and many TikToks ago, she told about her whole experience because she had like you, like she had to come from the very bottom and work insanely hard to get where she's at. And it was such yeah. an incredible bunch of tiktoks you know going through her whole journey but i remember a little bit but i'm i'm not familiar with the hand in the pocket thing what's the hand in the right
3: pocket? okay i actually thought you'd seen my video because just recently in alaska i did a maneuver and i did the same thing um Are, and i on, actually had on a,
0: her tiktok thing
3: no it was on oh. uh, mine so i put on my uh, my instagram so i thought you were referring to mine because i had one guy one it like real negative you know like Get your hand out of your effing pocket, you know. Like,
0: yeah, that's and I just deleted. I deleted the comment. So okay,
3: (laughs) I deleted the comment. Whereas I had uh, a lady pilot say, "Yes, I love the hand in the pocket thing." So Captain Kate actually, she didn't necessarily teach hand in the pocket, but she taught us to do it one handed because it's as a pod drive. So she would teach you, you know, she would say, "This is how I do it." Like you do it how you feel comfortable, but this is how I suggest you stand next to the console, you know, one handed. She said, because if you have to try and think about two hands doing something, it can be a little bit overwhelming. You've already got enough to think about, you know, and she coaches you to actually talk through the steps you're making while you're doing it, which for me is a little bit difficult because I'm already calculating. I'm watching what's happening and I'm calculating my next move. So to try and talk about what I'm doing while I'm working out my next move is, you know, a whole thing, but The hand in the pocket thing is just, for me, it it was almost like a keep calm thing as well, you know, like you just sort of, you've got this, like you just do everything one handed and you have control. So I don't remember specifically her reason for doing it, but she does it. You kind of just, you kind of just look cool doing it as well, to be honest. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Bugs, the little mascot, you know, but I have to say. Eric and
0: Brad, so Bug is a hairless kitten. Yeah, I've uh, seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: So bug's there for like every maneuver, right? And Captain Kate reckons she's like the good luck charm for everybody's maneuver. Except the day I did my maneuver, she threw up on the carpet next to the wing. <laughs> and Captain Kate's husband is there and she's calling him out to get the cat, you know, and clean it up sort of thing. And, and uh, I was like, is that a bad sign? but my yeah. maneuver went really really well even though bug didn't want to bar of it. <laughs> <So>
0: <laughs> now, now let me ask you so this is another I mean, this is another TikTok that, that Captain Kate did but I want to ask you if you've done I'm sure you have but if you've done similar things like this. She did a TikTok about inspecting I think the stabilizers or the Patel propellers or something like this. She went now I've been in the engine room but she went below the engine room. Uh I want to say she went inside of a blade or something but i swear to god it was like i watching this video uh you lose you're so claustrophobic and i started sweating but you're squeezing and you know these cave people you're squeezing down in there and i'm like i can't watch
1: that you know
0: i mean she looks like she weighs like what like 105 pounds or something she's tiny tiny. and she's (laughs) squeezing in that and i'm like oh my god i have you done stuff like this? What is that?
3: You know what? I've asked to do that several times. Um, oh and I was gosh. friends with the chief electricians. And I always wanted to do that. And I just happened to miss the opportunity because they were usually doing it while I was on watch. But yeah, it's the azeapods, actually. You can climb right down inside the um, the shaft part of the, you know, shaft for want of a better word, yeah. because it's a rotary yeah. thing, you know, yeah. like you can climb down inside the azeapods. Which they have to do because there's a whole lot of electrical and hydraulic cabling and things inside of there, right? So. That's kind of a like a that monthly me... inspection for the chief electrician.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. No, that, that reminds me of that movie with, uh, um, uh, what's his name? It was called Buried. And he was like in a coffin. In the coffin? coffin. Yes. Yeah, buried <laughs> yeah. in whatever. I watched absolutely no more than five minutes of that movie. And I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Oh <laughs> yeah. God, I cannot watch it. I haven't
3: seen that. <laughs> no, it's not good. Like, I think it's cool that she kind of puts it out there, what we do, because there's so many different parts to our jobs.
1: What has been like the trickiest spot that you've had to navigate?
3: Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Where have I been? I mean, I've just done Alaska. Oh, so that's a, that's supposed to be one of the
1: trickiest around.
3: Yeah. So that was an experience and a half doing the Endicott Arm Fjord, going all the way to the Doors Glacier. Uh-huh. Um, thankfully, we had captains that had done it a lot of times and pilots that are amazing. And we got yeah. really, really close. That's something else, seeing people navigate icebergs, you know. Yeah, but wow. there's places like there's a place in New Zealand called the hole in the wall at the top of the Coromandel Peninsula. There's like the peninsula and then some rocks. And so the cement ship I was on, we were like the only people um, of a like commercial ship size that were allowed that had an exemption to go through there. And it would be me on the 8 to 12 watch at night in the dark trying to, you know, just follow this line on a chart to get through between these rocks and the mainland without hitting anything you know and and I had a sailing boat come right up to me like what are you doing you know they were like just come and have a look and I'm going get out of my way I'm
1: bigger than you (laughs) what is happening right now (laughs) and so you were also work four hour shifts like on the bridge on watch it's four hours eight off and then four and eight
3: yeah sort of but you have
1: other duties as well obviously yeah yeah
3: Again, every company is a little bit different. Um, NCL was doing five and threes. Royal used to have like 14 hour days from what I've been told by members there it's all kind of changed a lot lately especially to comply with the ILO and things celebrity is two four-hour watches plus you do your two hours of overtime in the afternoon you know mm-hmm. and they're pretty strict about you maintaining your 10 hours so that you don't have violations right. um obviously they include certain... an hour
0: in there for bridge tours, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that happens on my watch <laughs> oh,
1: Obviously, as Pursers and and Scott Work Entertainment, we drank a lot. Now, I know that when you're on the bridge, obviously, you cannot drink much, barely anything at all. You have to be, you haven't had, what are the rules around drinking and, you know, being a navigational officer?
3: So, again, it varies company to company. Um, For the most part, I think the majority of them are zero tolerance uh, for watchkeeping officers. So, that's engineer and bridge officers. If you're a watchkeeper, you're not allowed to drink.
2: Um, oh, nice, man! Get that change that policy. The purser's would be grabbing all of the those uh, month uh, oh, allowances, well the bar allowance. <laughs> oh no, they don't get bar allowance anymore.
1: No, no. I think oh. that's a thing of the past. The bar oh, allowance, except for maybe the cruise
0: director. See, yeah, I was salivating. I was, gonna I was say, like, I'm going to go uh, back for that.
2: But never man, that. I could be <laughs> taking all of those bar allowance from yeah. all those deck officers. <laughs> No, yeah, they no. Officers. I mean,
3: drinks are only yeah. like two dollars each anyway, so it was, you know.
0: So, so Cassie, I got to ask you, being a navigational uh, engineer officer, um, do you guys ever run run aground?
3: I have not, whether it on was one of your fault or not. Well, I I've not been on a ship that's run aground yet, so
0: now have you ever um, when the pilots come because I always thought it was just crazy and nerve wracking for the pilots to you know come and jump on and off the ships do you ever do any of that
3: I haven't had to do that um, alongside a pilot no I mean you've just got to give them a good leeway and hope. I mean th- when it's rough like I've seen some pretty epic videos of pilots in ice and things you know in really rough weather trying to get on board um, and depending on the type of ship you know some of the big cargo ships have got such deep draft they have this massive accommodation ladder and then the pilot ladder and it's a, a whole thing but right. it is a delicate procedure it's more on the pilot boat driver to get it right than us because we're just positioning the ship to give a good lee
2: i can tell you stories about getting on on and off <laughs> Not a pilot boat, but uh, we used to do that clearance in the Dardanelles. Did you guys? Are, did oh, Eric, no, you, did you, you ever do that, no, Eric? No, where I you had to get to off that. in the Dart? Oh, no, I used to do that all that, the time. Yeah, yeah. sometimes
1: the purser's to clear the ship had to get on the pilot boat. Yeah, I used
2: to do that all the time because we had a uh, a female crew purser or a female first purser a lot of times, a female first purser, and they wouldn't want to do it because the Turkish guys get really handsy, you know, trying to get them on and off the <laughs> off the ladder. And so they're like, Brad. Here you go. You do this. <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. You can you can take the stuff down there, get a stamp to come back on. So I've did that a lot. But anyway, uh, Cassie, we uh, we're we're running over time here. Yeah. So
3: can I just we'll, go back real quickly to one yeah. thing? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Let's get let's get what skip over it.
2: You know, I want you to get in I- anything that you need to get in here r- right now.
3: So we were we kind of you know went through the whole women's cruise thing, and I just feel like we didn't sort of touch on a on an important part of it for me. You know, I I mean I get there's so much I could delve into about my experiences as a female in the industry and how difficult it's been. But um, going back to the the women's cruise on the edge. I just want to say that even me, I was nervous before I went um, and my friends were asking me, you know, how do you feel about the whole thing? And I said, well, I'm really nervous actually because I've never worked with females before. I've always been the only one. Mm. And to be honest with you, I like it that way. That's what I'm used <laughs> to. I like it that way. But um, I said to them, I'm really nervous. Like I don't want there to be bitching and catfights and things. You know, I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't want drama. That's what a lot of people were expecting. Again, so there was a lot of comments around that as well. And I have to tell you that they were the best bunch of women I've ever worked with. And they were so badass, to quote Captain Kate, they were so badass. Like, actually, one of my friends was really on point. She said to me, you know what? I don't think you have to be worried because the female in your industry are probably like you. Yeah. And if they're like you, they're yeah. all like-minded, you're a little bit tomboyish, you're a little bit butch, you know, you guys are all kind of just, you get in there, do the job. And she's like, so if they're like you, I don't think you'll have a problem. And she kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, some of those girls I worked with did like mixed martial arts and things, you know, and they were they were super strong individuals and there was not a single fight I mean, if we had to discuss something, we didn't shout or raise our voices. Like, we were more than okay with voicing our opinion, and it was never taken as being bitchy or bossy or anything like that, and, you know, other words that get used to only describe females. They actually ended up being the greatest bunch of women, and it wasn't just the, like, 12 women on the bridge. We had 27 women in total over the heads of departments, Um, Julie the redhead being one of them, one of the most amazing voices and personalities. But honestly, I was the second female that came on board because they progressively introduced us like over a month or two. So Maria was there before me. Then it was me, Captain Kate a week later with Espe. And so gradually as the guys went home, a female would come and replace them. And so we were sort of building these relationships steadily um, and then a few were bought in in the last couple of weeks. Um, now, as
0: that was happening, did the excitement build more and more because it was more girls, more girls, more girls? Yeah. And boom, like and how know, did the last guy or the last
1: guys feel being now the minority on board? <laughs>
3: I wow. have a photo. I got a photo and I can send it to you guys if you want of the last man standing. That and I just worked with, I worked with him again, just this last contract and we hadn't seen each other since then. And oh, he was man. the last man standing. I put it on Instagram and he told me he got no end of shit from his friends about being the last man standing, <laughs> you know, in this photo surrounded by women. But he's he grew up with like four sisters Um, And to him, it's never been an issue, you know, and if any guy can handle it, it's him. Yeah. And there's something else I have to say is there's certain guys, like we mentioned, the older generation seem to struggle with females. I had my fair share of captains and staff captains and whatever that they would stop their conversations as soon as I walked on the bridge and, and they felt really uncomfortable not being able to make their jokes and whatever, or they would drop derogatory comments all the time. um, And I'd just laugh it off and ha, you know, or ignore it. Now, did
0: you ever one up their joke?
3: I didn't go there. I just, you know, (laughs) the guys that were, because when I was with NCL as a cadet, I was actually the same age as the first and second officer on board. Um, There was a point where I got pulled up on it by the chief mate. And I said to him, I'm sorry if it's come across as like inappropriate or something, but I was like, you have to understand that I'm the same age as these guys. So that's possibly where it looks like insubordination or whatever is, Um, I've actually made friends with these guys. And I know that they outrank me and they're my seniors. We are the same age. Um, And they didn't treat me like a girl. And I have to say that that's kind of a nice thing that even now I experience. And I had conversations with the guys that I worked with on Celebrity. They don't see us as females. We're just, we went to school. We went to co-ed schools. We went to co-ed universities, but like with the girls- I had the best time. And I have to say, regardless of gender, they're just some of the best people and some of the most qualified and, and yeah, I would uh, have intelligent have, like, people. And I've just like
1: with. your friend said, like the women that got there were going to be really tough because of, they all had the same experience you did, which is yeah. really tough. It was going to be hard and they all worked through it. So they know that they're all driven. They're smart. they're They're just like really tough people. So there were, you know, I, that's what I expected when you were talking about that, that they were, you guys were all going to be very similar in what you've been through your life experience, which is even another way to bond when you have such similar life experience.
3: Yeah. And honestly, I consider them my sisters. Now I'm still in touch with so many of them. I love them. Um, I can't wait to finally see them again at some point like there's a bunch of them are greek so i'm gonna have to go to greece to visit them you know i love them like sisters scott you asked about the hype for that There was obviously a huge media push and things from the company because it was kind of only six months in the planning. And there were lots of guests really excited about that. You know, like we'd sold out the cruise, but then because of COVID, progressively, we just lost numbers. You know, the the cruise probably ended up maybe 60% full um, just because COVID just really hit right then at that kind of end of February, start of March, it really peaked. So that was the sad thing was that we lost a lot of bookings because of that um, and cruising got shut down. But thankfully, it got shut down at the end of that week and not, you know, not
1: before. Have you heard anything of celebrities going to do that again?
3: They didn't plan to do it again. And it was something we got asked was everybody kind of misunderstood that and thought that plan was to just go forward with all female bridge teams from then on. And there's even an interview with Captain Kate where she says like, that's not the plan. That was never the plan. Um, They've done it 100% male for so long. And we all know that even that doesn't work at times. You know, The plan for Celebrity was to have 50-50
0: because it's
3: taken people a while to kind of, realize that actually women and men balance each other Um, we think of things differently yes we're born nurturers and things that whole mother instinct and whatever we are basically natural protectors Um, we have a, a natural instinct for safety and things which is why I think some of us are great at maneuvering and things like that, because we just have a whole different way of looking at it. We're a little more cautious and, and we look at the safety side of things a little bit differently. And
0: so, so Cassie, I got one last question for me before we go. Um, So what's next for um, navigator need Um, as captain, are you going to go try to keep going as far as you can or?
3: Yeah, I, I still am unclear as to exactly where I want to end up. Um, I actually did spend some time before I joined Celebrity doing some tugboat experience. Um, I volunteered my own time um, and I got my what's called Skipper Restricted Limits, which is a small coastal skippers ticket. So I am quite interested in tugboats. You get a really good, like, it's kind of like a four day on, four day off roster of you know, and you get a land and a sea life. And to me, it's like um, bumper cars on water. I love bumper cars, you know, so (laughs) I kind of want to keep getting some experience in tugboats and pilot boat driving and things. But I don't know, it's like everybody's ultimate goal is to get their masters, right? And for me, I'm at the point where I'm looking at going and getting my chief mate's license in 2024. But I'll probably have enough sea time that, New Zealand does special consideration for some people that normally you would have to get, after your second mates, you would have to get a minimum of 12 months sea time to go back to school for a year to do your mates' masters in one uh, one theory course. And then you would get your chief mates. After that, you'd go back to sea for another 12 to 18 months and then sit your master's orals.
0: Are you, like, going to be on the beyond? Or was that the beyond or wonder or whatever was, it is? That was the edge.
3: Um, oh, Beyond so really, really, really. is the new one. Uh, oh, okay. Wonder is the new Royal Caribbean ship, but Beyond, Beyond is the okay. new uh, oh. the new one that's just come out. Um, I don't have my prospective ship yet. Okay, wait um, a second.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm really picky about this because I worked in scheduling, and so when you left your last assignment, you didn't already have your next schedule yet.
3: No, and even if they do, it's just a. Kind of a gap filler because you generally don't find out where you're going until two weeks before. What? Uh, what are they doing? Well, what? Uh, well, what know,
2: has human resources been doing for the no, last exactly. thirty years? You guys
3: know how it is. I mean, you've been in the industry. Like people go off on medical leave or they resign or whatever all yeah, the time. They get transferred. Still. So yeah, they will. That, no. They might give you a base. They did that idea, in the nineties, but- not
1: now no
3: they're still doing that i mean it still
1: happens but you know i was the manager and director of crew scheduling for the entire princess fleet including the deck officers and i used to like i learned very very well closely with the the vice president of the marine department and so i knew i used to know every single deck officer. i knew everything about them so that i could help schedule them and we obviously the more senior was definitely a full year in advance as you got a little bit lower in the ranks you weren't able to schedule as far because you had more turnover in those ranks. Yeah. But even then, we made sure that when you left us your assignment, you knew what ship you were coming back to. And that was a must.
3: Yeah. No, they um it's like you say with the junior officers, they they kind of throw them where they can. Like the chief officers and above uh, will typically yeah. have um, they will tend to be on the same ship for like a year right. or yeah. more. You know, they just have that regular rotation until such time as they decide to move them. So some people are on the same ship for two or three years in a regular rotation. You, you need know. me
1: to do your scheduling. That's it. So <laughs>
3: also, since, since COVID, they've run into problems with oh, not well, enough that's staff. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this is stuff. They're, so so tough, they're like problem. hiring fires, yeah. and, and I'll give know.
1: them a break for COVID. Because yeah, COVID has yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> let them have a break for COVID, but still. But thank you so much for, for coming. Yeah. Honestly, this has been great. It's been fascinating. It's been so interesting hearing your story.
3: Thanks so much for having me. I mean, I like I said, I could talk for hours. I feel like I didn't even touch yeah, the, no. the tip of the iceberg. We'll, we'll like, do a
1: part two. We'll do a part two next year. How's that?
3: That'd be amazing.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
3: laughs> I let you know where I'm at then. Hey, but, get Captain
0: uh, Kate on here. I've messaged her because uh, she's so popular and she's so... Well known on TikTok and everybody, you know, like she she'll never read my message. I've sent her fourteen messages, but you know, <laughs> she, he, she's he's stalking her. That's why she won't answer. <laughs> no, no. Well, we're not we're not friends on TikTok, messages? but you can only you can only yeah. send them one uh, one message one time. But um, yeah, yeah, get her on get her on here. We'd love to hear her. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And, and have Julie have Julie put in a good word for us, too, because yeah, Julie, Julie can really know. get in there and twist some so arms.
1: You should listen to Julie's episode because yeah, go back and uh, oh, yeah.
2: go back and listen to that. Oh, one. I'll
3: have to do that. Yeah, Cassie, yeah,
2: uh, tell people about your Instagram before we let you go. What's your Instagram handle? Wait a second. Oh,
3: <laughs> you know what? We didn't even cover like other things. Right. You guys said that sometimes you talk about what else you're doing. Um, yeah. Well, you to-
0: talk so much. <laughs> I'm scott just, i'm just playing scott so
2: scott, scott is going to have to edit this thing and then i'm going to have to give him shit about it but here's what his here's his trick here's his trick now he waits until like 10 30 at night <laughs> to do to finish and then he sends me a message and i'm already i've been passed out for like three i know hours.
0: brad's gonna get up the next day and i'm like okay there
2: he goes. i'm like yeah. Now I've got to have a me. I've got to have a meeting Monday morning, and then I'm going to listen to the podcast. Yeah, this one's going to take me. This, is,
0: this one's going to take me four days. To
3: yeah, I've got three Instagram accounts I have to manage. Um, when I'm not at sea, I'm a I'm an artist. So oh. my my seafaring account is Cassie on board. So C A S dot S E A underscore on. Oh, C
0: A. Uh, say that again.
3: S E A Cassie on board. So there's oh, another There underscore. it is. So that's my seafaring account. He's got eight hundred
0: thousand <laughs> followers. Holy, holy! I'm just followers. kidding. I'm just playing. <laughs> <That's> just playing. <laughs> I, like,
2: I, I just
1: I'm
2: about over here.
3: I mean, my seafaring is nine thousand something. I wish I had that many followers on my art account, then I might sell more artwork. But.
2: Thank you Thank so much you so. for coming on, Cassie. Thank, Thank you. Guys. I'm sorry for all the Thank trouble, but we made it work. Thank you. We did. This a good Thank you. Good Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This is jazz hands. This is goodbye hands.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Nice <laughs>
2: bye bye. All bye-bye.
1: right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh um, yeah.
0: Fantastic, man. The
1: that was cool. That was really that really was good. Great. I'm yeah, just
0: gonna yeah. go ahead and put that one all the way in the can so it's ready.
1: I'm not even gonna edit anything. It's an hour and 25 um, minutes long. Good luck editing that
0: one down. Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member, and if you have a story that you would like to tell, or if you'd like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's my ship story podcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!